Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Episode of Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Back Coach. Guys, this is going to be an amazing episode. We're going to be talking about how to change your life and your business. And this young lady that we're going to have on is a dynamic author, speaker. She does it all. Miss Lisa, what's going on? Hey, Richard. It's great to talk with you. Yeah. What's been new? What's going on? Oh, man. Launched my book this summer out at um, San Diego. Just been crazy busy. Next week, I'm actually presenting um, at a Hiring Our Heroes webinar for small businesses that need to get funding. So um, if there are veterans out there in your audience that are interested in that, they can contact me through my website and I can send them the link. It's a long link, so I can't remember it off the top of my head. Okay, so first of all, we're going to get into a little bit of your backstory so we can talk about the front story. Mm-hmm. So where are you from and where did you grow up and how did you get your heart of service? Okay, well, I grew up in South Boston, Virginia, very small town at very middle of the bottom of the state. Um went to Virginia Tech, ended up meeting my husband over at Virginia Beach. He was in the Navy. We got married and he retired with 26 years of service. So we started our very first business when he retired from the Navy. But the business that I own now, my web and marketing strategy company, I've owned since 1996. And I'm honestly not sure where I get my heart of service from. I just love helping people but the NASCAR team that you're familiar with um, that I help, we do we combat veteran suicide through that. And we're also promoting services for the blind as well. Well, now this show is actually being sponsored by Racing for Heroes. Awesome. So um, talk to us a little bit about that. Talk to us about what's going on with the team. Okay. So Racing for Heroes, as you know, is a nonprofit that combats veteran suicide through free physical and mental health services, job training and placement, and also motorsports therapy. So I met them several years ago and they wanted me to help them develop a um, national awareness campaign. But when I realized everything that they do and they had no paid employees, I was like, any money I charge is gonna come directly from treatments. And I didn't want that to happen. But also a national awareness campaign doesn't do you any good if you don't have a national platform. And obviously they wouldn't have had the money to pay for a lot of advertising and so forth. So I was working with my client, Colin Garrett, who is a NASCAR driver, and he graciously offered to put them on his car. His brothers are both active duty army, by the way. And it has evolved from we were just going to initially have the logo on the car in a small spot. By the way, everything we do for them is pro bono. We were going to initially have it on there in just a small pot spot, but we've evolved over the past three years to basically our entire team is based around supporting veterans' causes and helping veterans get access to the resources that they need to live happy, healthy lives. So now, is it on the Xfinity Series? Is it on the NASCAR Series? Yep, Xfinity Series. He also races super late model. Um, We have a race coming up, the next Xfinity Series race, 
he's racing is in Martinsville, Virginia. I think it's October 3rd. Um, it's at the end of October. Sorry, I don't have the calendar in front of me. But yeah, Xfinity Series. Sometimes we have Racing for Heroes on the entire car. Sometimes it's on the hood. Sometimes it's in smaller spots. It just depends on who is funding the race. And we also promote the Rosie Network, which is another nonprofit that helps military spouses and veterans with training and mentoring to become entrepreneurs. Now, what number car is it? It's number 26, Xfinity. And his super late model car is number 24. Okay. So now talk to us, you know, because a lot of people that are listening to this, are they either veterans, entrepreneurs, or both? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, a lot of people that are listening don't realize that when a veteran is deployed somewhere, their family is doing the same amount of time as they are. And sometimes the person at home gets their work doubled upon because that person's not there. Mm-hmm. So what is it like being a military spouse while a member is deployed somewhere? Well, I'll be honest with you. I never had to go through that because I was only with my husband the last six years that he was active duty. He had lived all over the world and done multiple um, tours on aircraft carriers and so forth. But by the time I met him, his last two tours, two and a half tours that he did were all based in the States. So I didn't have to go through what most military spouses have to go through, but I have a lot of friends who did. And I can tell you from helping them get through it, it not only is very lonely and stressful, but it's also really hard when the person comes back home because the family dynamic has to shift again. Um, And the person who's been deployed has to fit back in to, you know, so sometimes that becomes I don't want to say power struggle because that sounds negative, but typically a spouse and kids have gotten used to doing everything on their own. And now this person is back and everybody kind of has to shift into new roles a bit. So now how did you first get the entrepreneurial bug? You know, my father owned a music and appliance store when I was growing up, by the way, he was blind and he owned a music and appliance store, just a tiny little store So it's not like I ever was interested in it because of the money, because, you know, it was a typical very small business where he didn't make a lot of money. But I always knew that I would work for myself because of the freedom. Now, don't get me wrong. He worked six days a week. So it's not like he was at kicking up his heels, but it's just something about being in charge of yourself that I always knew I would work for myself, but I didn't know what I would do. I had no clue. And I actually have a degree in accounting. Um, But when I discovered the web in 1995, or web development, I should say, I ditched my CPA license and and started my web design and marketing firm in 96. And basically, that's what I've been doing ever since, except I also, not just, you know, most people who are web designer, that's pretty much all they do. But I basically am an entrepreneurial consultant. And I help my clients figure out how they can adapt their business to reach their lifestyle goals and use the web as a tool in doing that. Okay. So now, you know, like, uh, you know, your bio says, you know, you want people want you're the kind of person that like to shoot straight and you don't BS, Mm -hmm. you know, no gobbledygook. (laughs) Uh, So how, 
what kind of businesses have you built and what, you know, when somebody looks you up, what, what can they find out about you? Well, I'll tell you about some of you, you mean my own businesses or clients that I've worked with? Both. Okay. All right. So the very first business that my husband and I started when he retired from the Navy, we were in Jacksonville, Florida. We couldn't sell our house because Jacksonville was in a recession. Um, there were no jobs, you know, crappy jobs. So we decided to start a business and we started a vending company simply because that would be a relatively easy business to get into and to scale to a certain point. I started it when my daughter was four months old and my son was 24 months old. My husband was still in the Navy. I literally just started cold calling all day, every day. And by the time he retired six months later, we had a business that he went to work in full time the very next day. He was happy to have a business that was making money, but he was not happy that he didn't get to take a day off. Um, but that, so that's how the first business came to be. We sold that after three years and started a boat dealership and yacht brokerage. And we loved that. But that's one of those things I can relate to people that don't really think through what they're going to do in a business because we were just thinking, oh, my God, we love boats. We boat all the time. You know, we fish, yada, yada, yada. We weren't thinking about, well, guy, you know, you have to work while everybody else isn't working, you know, weekends and holidays, because that's when people are out looking at boats. And also, even though we did over a million dollars in sales the first year, in that type of business, you just have to keep plowing the money back into inventory. So we realized, yeah, this isn't really the business for us. So we sold out our part of it. And he actually ended up going to work for one of the boat trailer manufacturers that we had sold. And then, and I was the assistant, or I was the controller for an international software company at that time, which is when I discovered web development and dropped everything else. So that's when I got into this business in 1996. But to give you an example of some of the things I've done, so the first thing, all the way back in 1997, I'm going to start there because most people don't realize that there was like hardly nothing on the web back then. And I had a client who had an information-based business. It was a series of books and technical guides, and they were going out of, they were going bankrupt because her husband had died and they didn't have good insurance. He had died from cancer. So because of all of their medical bills and so forth, she couldn't take the books back to print. Um, so she was just going to have to shut down. Well, I helped her take those books and convert them into a subscription-based business, online subscription-based. So for the yacht brokers and boat dealers who had been having to wait several years for the next volume that came out to get these technical specs, we actually developed this new service where they could constantly get access to new boats that were always being added to the library. So it helped them. They got access to the information sooner and it helped her because it got rid of her having to deal with all these printing costs and inventories and fulfillment and, and things like that. So I literally took her business from getting ready to go bankrupt to about two years later, it sold at 20 times in the investment. And it was, she wasn't even trying to sell it at the time. 
a company came and wanted to buy it. So that's an example of how, it, you know, in today's world, that might not seem like a big deal because there are plenty of subscription-based businesses. But back then, the only subscription-based businesses were internet service providers. There weren't productized services like what we did. Um, Google was not even around when I first started that. We sold on Amazon, but most people still didn't know what Amazon was. Um, so that was very early on. It was out of the box thinking. Um, some of the other things that I've done are I took a, something that's more recent is I took a client who is an economic development area and they had $900,000 in CARES Act money. Well, most, re, most localities, when they got that money in, if it was for economic development, they just kind of split it up between a few businesses and it usually was gone, you know, it went to pay employees or whatever, which was great, but it didn't really help anybody else. So we worked with that client and developed a matching gift card program. So you could go on as a shopper and pay $20 and get a $40 gift card. So you were saving 50% right off the top. And then the businesses were getting paid the entire $40. So we did that with matching funds from the community. And we were able to take the $900,000 in CARES Act money and turn it into 2.7 million economic impact, immediate economic impact, not counting, you know, the, the ripple effect. But the great thing is company of hundreds of companies got money right off the bat and then shoppers in the localities also got to save 50%. And that was on anything from typical things for gift cards like shopping and restaurants, but also dentistry, daycare centers, a car repair. So there were a lot of people, even a fuel oil company, so there were a lot of people who were literally able to get essential services that they needed at a 50% discount. Um, and this is, I'm talking a, a rural community where a large percentage of people live under the poverty level. So I'm really proud of that because we had such an impact on the community. So talk to us, you know, one thing I love that you do, you know, you talk about people's why. Mm-hmm. And I have another show called Success, Your Why Powers Your How. You know, if you don't know your why, um, when things get tough, when you're struggling and you're not making any money and you, you got to go back to paying, you know, doing a nine to five job sometimes, mm-hmm. you're going to give up. Yeah. But you know what your why is, it becomes more of a um, a mission than mm-hmm. it is a job. Yeah. So it's about helping people find their why. I'll tell you the biggest mistake that most people make in finding their why is they think about it more in the terms of money. So I might ask a client, you know, why do you want to do this? Oh, I want to be able to make a million dollars. I'm like, yeah, but what do you want to do with the million dollars? The real why it might be, I want to be able to work less hours. I want to be able to spend more time with my family. I want to be able to know that I have my kids college taken care of. I want to know that I can help my parents when they get older. Those are the real whys. The money is not the why. And 
what's really, really important is for everybody to really take stock of what they want out of life. And I'm not talking just immediately and just framed around the business, but if you could have your perfect life, what would it be? What would it look like? And even outside of money, you know, can, what would your house be like? What would your day be like? Um, what could, what type of area would you dream of living in? And, you know, a lot of people have dreams of living in, you know, beachfront homes or exclusive communities. But for somebody like me, I've never been motivated by stuff like that. My whole thing is personal freedom. And the reason that I fell in love with the web was because I immediately saw, even back then when it was dial up, this is something that I could literally work from anywhere and have clients anywhere and not be tied to having to live in a specific place. Um, and that was just really appealing to me. Also, at the time, I was raising my kids. It gave me a lot of flexibility in my lifestyle. And so those are the kind of things that motivated me. It was never money. Um, and that's one of the biggest things that I think people really need to understand themselves. What do I like? What do I not like? And more importantly, why do I like it and why do I not like it? And not just business stuff. So, for example, I loved working puzzles and reading mystery stories and everything growing up. And within web development, when I first got started in that, that was a development was a lot of the same because back then we had to code everything. So it was troubleshooting and trying to figure out, you know, figure out this mystery of why this thing wasn't working like it, I wanted it to be working. Um, and that's, that's an example of how somebody can look back at things that they liked, even as a kid. And it clues you into how your mind, how your mind works and what your, what your mind kind of gets off on, if you will, you know, gets, gets excited about. And, you know, I've noticed now, um, since I started doing the show, I've, I interviewed over 360 different people. Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, um, seven, eight, nine figures. I've had Mr. Steve, Steve Sims on like a friend, a mutual friend of ours. But, and, yeah, me. <laughs> yep. yep. And I think one of the things that people don't do and it, it should, they should be doing it because it's very widely um, available. Mm -hmm. People don't really look at their analytics. Yeah. Like, for me, I know on my show, my analytics are males from ages 18 to 50 mm -hmm. uh, and, and I, and because of analytics, you can get down to the very nitty gritty, mm -hmm. but I think a lot of people when they're in business, they just pray and spray. Yes. Hit nobody. Yeah. Say that if you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody. So talk to us about niching down. Okay. That is one of the most important things that anybody can do. Because as you said, if you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody. When you have a very specific person in mind that is your target audience, whether it's a real person that you would love to have as a client or whether it's an avatar, you know, that you've made up in your mind that you think would be perfect. When you are developing your messaging around that real person, then you, your messaging becomes a lot more personal. And you end up using different language than you would use 
when you're talking to hundreds or thousands of people, you become much more focused. And what that does is that helps your perfect client recognize you as the person that they should be working with. And I want to remind people, especially people in the services industry, you don't need a million customers. You know, if you're selling widgets, yeah, you have to just go after every single little sale. But when you're a service provider, you're much better off having a really targeted network, a really targeted audience, because then you can meet their needs the most focused in the most valuable way. It ends up being worth a lot more to them. And because it's worth a lot more to them, they don't mind spending more with you because they see the value in it. Now, I know, like I said, we have a lot of friends in common. Um, as a matter of fact, I just did a, um, a co- we co- me and Tamara um, co-hosted a room uh, yesterday. And she's the one that got us hooked up again. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got a Tammy girl. Yeah. Big, big shout out. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I know that people that have worked with you personally, mm-hmm. and they say within the first hour to just talking to you you calm their soul yeah how do you go about doing that well one thing i ask a ton of questions because i'm just a curious person so a lot of times i'm able to help people uncover things that they never even thought of before i've even had people in my show like the um, the guy who was the he was the editor-in-chief of billboard magazine and then he was the vp of communications for Universal Music Group International. And he told me, he goes, oh my God, you asked me things that nobody has ever asked me before. And I've never even thought of to ask myself. So that's one thing. Another thing is because of the web, so many people feel so overwhelmed and I'm able to talk with them about it in layman's language because I've been doing it so long. So I'm able to help people kind of take a step back and look at it in more analogies in ways that they can make sense of why they should be doing something. And I don't throw around a lot of jargon, as I call it, gobbledygook. I I really believe in using plain words so that anybody can understand it. So I, I think it's mostly just the way that I communicate, but I also, the way that my brain works, and I really think this comes from my father being blind. I never realized it till a few years ago, but I'm always looking for different ways to do something. And, you know, when you grow up with a blind person, I didn't even think about him being blind because I never knew him not being blind. But you see him every day riding horses, shooting guns, had a, had a full woodworking shop in our basement with a lathe. He made a horse trailer that was street legal that he would use to take his horse up to our cabin 120, mile, 120 miles from our house. So when you're around somebody like that your whole life, you just absorb not, not the mindset of, I can't do this, but how can I do this? Um, And so I'm usually able to take a step back and help people look at what they're trying to do in a lot different way. But you know yourself, Richard, um, when somebody's too close, you can't see the forest for the trees. You know, when you are too close to your own stuff, it's really hard to see the big picture. 
I'll be honest, I'm like that with myself, which is why I have a coach. Steve Sims is my coach, which, by the way, I forgot earlier I said I was probably the one that introduced you. No, that was Tammy Girl. I'm sure Tammy Girl is the one that got him on your show. So I don't want to take um, credit for that. But, yeah, even though I'm a coach to people, Steve Sims is my coach because I I can help other people so much more than I can help myself. I'm also a member of a number of mastermind groups um, and things like that. And that is something that everybody should be doing. You know, and that's I'm, I'm grateful that we're talking about that because I just interviewed a gentleman a couple minutes ago. He's a former Navy SEAL commander. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about, you know, because I'm I've been getting very heavy into mindset the last six months. And um, people were talking about masterminds. Back in 1908, Dale Carnegie mm. was talking about masterminds back in, you know, 100 years ago. Yep. And so it's nothing new. It's just, you know, a lot of times you might have to spend some money or you might have to spend some time building relationships in masterminds. And a lot of times we have to realize, you know, if I'm the smartest person in a room, I need a better room. That's right. So talk to us about, you know, getting into a mastermind and how to find good mentors. Uh, Well, the way that I got into the masterminds that I'm in and found good mentors, I ran across Steve three years ago when I heard him on a podcast when his book Blue Fishing had just come out. And I felt like I immediately knew him just because he's such a straight shooter. So I went and bought his book and then I really felt like I already knew him. So that fall, he announced that he was going to start taking coaching clients. Well, there was no doubt in my mind that Steve was the person who should be my coach. I had never run across anybody, any other coach that I felt was a good match for me because most people are just too uptight and hoity-toity, you know? And I just like people that talk in real words and call, you know, they, they just shoot straight from the hip. So that's how I ended up working with Steve. He's been my coach now for, it'll be three years in, I think, November. And because of people I met through him, that's how I ended up in the masterminds I am. Because like, I'll go to his speakeasy events. He usually does several a year and he only allows like 35 to 40 people there and they're handpicked people so that he knows that they are people who will be good in the room together and I've developed relationships with people through that. Some of the people I've known for three years now. And it's led me into a number of mastermind groups. Um, also, one of those people that's in one of the masterminds that, I, that I'm in, his name is Brandon Straza. And he is actually starting a new platform. It's not open to the public yet. It's just open to pe- people like me, early adopters. But it's called the Success Finder. And the whole thing is to help people match up with coaches and masterminds who will be a good match for them. I want to caution people, though. I used to think of a mastermind, it, because of the word mastermind, it kind of makes you feel like it's this mysterious thing where all these geniuses are sitting around. And it's not. It literally just means people that you can talk with and bounce your ideas off of. But as you said, Richard, it has to be people who are going to push you. 
really, it should be people above your level. It's okay to have a few people at your level, but you really need to have people above your level because those are the people that you can learn from and who will push you and make you push yourself to do more. That doesn't mean, excuse me, that doesn't mean that you forget about your friends and ditch them and never hang around with them. But you should, as you grow, you should always be seeking out new people and new groups that you can be part of so that you can continue to grow yourself. And then that will let you help other people that are in your masterminds because you can be the, the senior person to them, the mentor to them. And, you know, I love I love that because, you know, and the great things about having, you know, mentors is they'll call you out on your bullshit. Yep. <laughs> they'll, you know, because, you know, and I, we all know that, you know, uh, Steve is blunt and right to the point. And, you know, he'll call you out in a minute. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of it is when you have to realize, all right, you know, you look at people and they say you, the men, when you pick a mentor, you should pick somebody that um, that you would like to be like or you where you would want your business to be like. Yeah. Sometimes eventually you do um, you when you start growing, you move out of different circles. You move into different circles. And sometimes, like I'm reading a lot now, is, you know, you, you, you know, like Joe Osteen said today, you know, sometimes you have to cut out negative people in your life. You know, it's addition, you know, subtraction by addition, addition wow. by subtraction. So talk to us about, you know, building quality relationships and sometimes moving on from other relationships. Yeah, our negativity is one of the absolute worst things that you can surround yourself with. And I know sometimes we can't get away from negativity because it may be family or it may be lifelong friends, but you need to keep them out of your business as much as possible about talking about it. And you need to keep them out of your head. The people that you have around you to help you and help push you in your business need to be people who can see the vision and see even further than you can. The dreams that you have and the visions that you have pale in comparison to what they see you could do. But when you're around negative people, I mean, it's like if somebody's drowning, a drowning person can't save another drowning person. And so if you're a lifeguard, which I used to be many, many, many years ago, you know, first you have to get that person under control before you can save them. You have to get them in position that they can't drown you too. But when you're around negative people all the time and just that constant harping, even if you have the biggest self-confidence in the world, that eats at you. But most of us, unless you have a huge ego, most of us, no matter how smart we are, we tend to be hard on ourselves and not think we're as good as other people think we are. So the last thing that you need is for somebody else to pile in and what pile in and what you might already be telling yourself, the negative talk that you may already be telling yourself. So now, because you've talked to many, many of people, mm -hmm. what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see new entrepreneurs make? And like I said, when I was talking to the gentleman earlier, you know, one thing about being a veteran is we learn to know that we learn, we know standard operations and procedures. Mm -hmm. and a lot of times when, you know, a person gets out of the military, they want to open up a t-shirt company, hat company, liquor or coffee. 
And then six months later, they're $10,000 in debt and don't know what the hell just happened. Yeah. And a lot of times it's because they did not have a plan before they started. You know, like, like one of your books, you talk about um, how to make sure you have an exit strategy. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't even have a starting strategy. Never mind an exit. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. So talk to us about some of the mistakes you see, um, you know, beginning entrepreneurs make. Okay. Well, I think the biggest mistake that I've seen over the years is very, it's just plain. People forget that it's their own business and that they can build it any way they want. What they do is they have this dream of working for themselves. They have this dream of, oh, life is going to be so wonderful. I'm only going to work with people I like or whatever. And before they know it, they've been looking around at everybody else that owns businesses or everybody else in their industry. And they do what those people do because they think, oh, they're, if they're doing it, it must be the way to do it. So before they know it, they built a business that they hate. They're stuck in what is basically a job because they can't leave. And so I just always remind my, my clients, as soon as I start working with them, it's your business and you can make it anything you want. Um, pretty much everything boils down to that. But I'll give you some examples, an example of mistake that Tom and I made first starting out with the vending business, even though that was a very successful business. We did not look at it and when we what we would do to scale in the future. All we looked at is how we could get to the amount of money that we wanted to make, you know, but then and of course we had we were doing it on a really short time frame too because he was retiring and we had to have income but we didn't look ahead a few years to be like okay we get it to a certain level if we want to keep growing what are we going to have to do to scale well in vending it costs way more to scale than it does to start at initially because you know you've got to have trucks and you have to have all these security plans in place because you're dealing with cash um, things like that. That's a huge mistake that we made because we were only looking at what can we get into that we can afford, that we can like ease into it, not have to invest all the money at one time, and that we can be in control of who the clients are. And all of that is true, but we didn't look far enough down the road. All right. So now, Let's talk about your book a little bit. Okay. Uh, now, because of COVID, um, a lot of people had to reimagine their their businesses. A lot of people. Who would have ever thought two years ago that people would be making hundreds of million dollars off of face masks? You know, who would have ever thought that, you know, what we're doing now, you know, that you can't keep Lysol in stock. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people had to reimagine <laughs> their business. So talk talk to us about how, you know, people can start re- reimagining their business in this 21st century. Okay. Well, my latest book is called Disrupt Your Now, The Successful Entrepreneur's Guide to Reimagining Your Business and Life. And what I do with that is I through I interviewed 50 entrepreneurs and I, the whole book is short stories, anecdotal stories of things that they've gone through with a lesson at the end, a key takeaway that I pull out at the end of each. And I have it broken down into five parts. 
first is you and your mindset and what you want and your self-confidence. Next is moving out a bit, your circle, the people that you surround yourself with, just like we were talking about, your network, your masterminds, your coach. Thirdly, it's learning to think creatively, learning to think differently. And then the fourth part is more about the business itself, delegating and things like that. And the last part is about business being more than money. You need to have a higher purpose. Everybody needs to have a higher purpose, something more than money, because no matter how much money you make, there's always somebody else that has more. And if you're only thinking about money, you have a really hollow life. So you need to think about whether it's charitable, like with nonprofits, or whether it's for family or whatever. You just need to be thinking about something more than money. Um, but part of what I, the intro to that, the beginning of that book, I start out with a story about my dad, because like I told you, he was blind. And a lot of times we feel like we have no control over our lives. We feel like life is happening to us instead of for us. So I start out at the beginning, the part about you titling, if a blind man can mow the grass, you can do this. And it's true. My father was 100% blind, but he mowed the grass until we got, a, until we got old enough to mow. Um, and um, he mowed the grass barefoot because then he could feel with his feet where the grass had been mowed and where it hadn't been mowed. And I can guarantee you there were never any strips of missed grass with him. And that just goes to show you, you can always figure out a way to do something that needs to be done. Doesn't, but, but here's the thing though, but you always have to be willing to, to admit that you've made a mistake. I don't want to tell people, oh, you have to keep going down the same old road. Oh, if he could do that, you could do this. You know, you have to you have to do be pragmatic. But the point of that is, is have confidence in yourself and stop looking at everything like you're looking at it now and think, what if I had to do it a different way? What if I absolutely had to? And the other thing, ask yourself, why am I doing it this way? And if people can get in the habit of questioning themselves like that, a lot of times it can help them get out of the ruts that they've created for themselves. I love that. Now, your husband, obviously, you guys make an amazing couple. Um, and but, you know, you've been around him. You've been around probably been around his friends for over 20 mm -hmm. years. Yeah, actually, we have, will have been married 35 years next month. I can't believe it. Wow. It's crazy. <laughs> so what do you think makes veterans such good entrepreneurs? Uh, the self-discipline and the diligence and the overcoming adversity and the pride that they take in themselves and the pride that they take in helping others. I could go on and on and on. But I will say that can also be a negative because, you know, I can I could look at Tom. And so that whole self-discipline and self self-reliance that can work against you. You need to be willing to ask for help and accept help. And that's something that he has always had a hard time doing. 
he's, you know, one of these people, I can do it and just charge forward and do it. So y'all need to overcome your pride, ego, whatever it is, and realize that you can't do everything on your own, that you do need help, that you do need advice. And not only do you need it, but you have to be willing to take it. You don't have to, you don't have to take all advice and actually act on it. You need to be, be willing to listen to any advice, open-minded, and then decide whether you think it's good advice or not. But I can tell you, uh, veterans, I talked with a convenience store about a year ago, a big convenience store chain, and they sell franchises. And they told me that veterans are their number one successful demographic for franchisees. And within the veterans group, women veterans were number one within that. And I just thought that was very interesting. Not sure why, you know, you I could hypothetically say, well, maybe it's because women had to co overcome even more because the military is more male-centric. I have no clue. Uh, but I thought that was very interesting that veterans are the number one in success rate for their franchisees. So now last two questions. How do we find you? Uh, and I know you have a, a Facebook live show. So mm -hmm. how do we find you? How do we find your book? And how do we support your mission? Uh, you can go to lisakipsbrown.com, L-I-S-A-K-I-P-P-S-B-R-O-W-N.com or disruptyournow.com. Either one of those will take you to my site or a different part of it. Um, yes, my weekly show, I have a different, I have somebody different on every week and I've had people from um, internationally known experts to a guy who was in prison for 15 years for armed robbery and is now an entrepreneur. I always have a wide range of people so that we can talk about all different things. Would love to have y'all join that. As far as my mission and helping to combat veteran suicide, um, there's also information on my site about that. But if anybody knows a company that they think would be interested in partnering with us, I would love if they would connect us. Uh, and if I can have a minute to talk about that, do you have a minute for me? No, to I will always have a minute for you. <laughs> Thanks. Well, so typically an NASCAR team, they put your logo on the car. You might get a certain number of tickets to go to a race and they're like, yay, go, go have fun. We, we approach it more as a B2B service. So when somebody comes in, they might not even care about being on the car. They might care about something like being able to recruit and hire and retain veterans in their workforce, or they might want help locating good veteran-owned products and making sure it's actually a veteran and not a case of stolen valor. Um, so what we do is any type of company that we talk with, we talk with them, what is your biggest business problem? Forget about racing. What is your biggest business problem? And let's figure out if there's a way that we can help you solve it. So what happens is it's not about advertising with us. It might, it might incorporate advertising, you know, but some of the people that partner with the team don't even care if they're on the car. And actually some of them can't be on the car because of conflicts or in, of interest or whatever, but they can still partner with us to provide this B2B service and strategy. Um, 
this we actually this year had the very first braille paint scheme on a NASCAR ride, which was very exciting to me because of my personal connection. And it's my friend, Dr. Hobie Webler. He's a PhD chemist, and he released a new seasonings blend this summer. We're going to help him raise funds through crowdfunding to have the first Braille labels on a seasoning brand. Um, Anyway, the point with that was we worked with other companies who they didn't really care about the racing, but they have services for the blind, like customer support services that if a blind, if a visually impaired person is having a hard time on using their product, they actually have a dedicated support line and platform for those people to contact them, but nobody knows about it. So we worked with them to develop a strategy to help them get their the word out so that their customer support platform could actually help the people that they wanted it to help. So that's an example of it having nothing really at all to do with the car, but more to do with our brains and the way that we think. Because I have a whole whole circle of people around me, and we throw all our brains together and come out with cr- just ideas that nobody else would ever think of. Okay, so now last question. You know, I ask a thousand people, I get a thousand different answers. We still live in a crazy world. We're still in COVID. So here in New Jersey, because of our amazing governor, <clears throat> um, <laughs> we're. Um, probably going to go back into lockdown so it means a lot more people are going to be losing their jobs and a lot of parents are driving uber or doordash just to put food on the table so if somebody out there is struggling with their business Mm -hmm. and what is something they can do in the next 24 hours go to my website go to my website and set up a free 15 minute call And I will never try to upsell you. I will never try to get you to do anything else with me. I genuinely, I offer that free 15 minutes because I genuinely want to be able to help anybody that I can. So lisakipsbrown.com, the, let me go see. It's under the about, the about menu item. Free consult is under that. So go there. Don't hesitate. And also connect with me on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter because I'm happy to answer any questions anytime that anybody has. I just love to help other people. I love it. So, guys, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to our sponsors, Racing for Heroes. Love you guys. Um, Can't wait for the next race. Martinsville, make sure you're checking out number 26. Xfinity series we'll be we'll be watching and we'll be rooting so I just want to say thank you Lisa and this is going to go out next season so I'm sure we're going to be able to help a lot of people so I just want to say thank you and if tempt uh, Tammy is listening thank you so much for everything you do for us I appreciate you and if there's anything I can ever do you know you can I'm always a phone call away thanks for having me Richard and thank you Tammy girl if you're out there thanks for introducing me and Richard the other month all right. Well, God bless you. And I'm going to try to get you in touch with a friend of mine. Uh, she ha- she owns the Addie's um, magazine. So I'm going to try to get you guys hooked up. Oh, okay, and cool. Maybe have you um, featured in her magazine, which is it's a magazine for veterans. And it's it's pretty amazing. So maybe you guys can hook up. Awesome. That's great. Thank you so much, Richard. I enjoyed it. All right. God bless you and God bless the family. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us today. 
please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.